Okay, we're live. Good to be here with you, man. You too, mate. Good to uh, good to chat. Nice to see you. Let's dive in. So I wanted to peel back a bit. You know, obviously you played professional tennis, right? Seems like a lifetime ago, but yeah, I did. It was. Uh, I would like to say I'm a better tennis player than uh, than I am a mortgage broker, but uh, I think I've done better in business than I did in my other uh, other other career of tennis. But yes. Well, I'm sure there was transferable skills or knowledge or wisdom you you transition from the tennis court into the mortgage broking space. Is there anything that comes to mind? Probably the competitive nature, you know, of, of you know, from tennis to, to work, you know, you kind of always want to do better, whether it's better for your clients, better professionally, better, you know, within the industry and always wanting to not necessarily, you know, you want to improve, you want to improve on where you were yesterday. Um, and I think that probably is definitely transferred from, from tennis to, to my work. Yeah, it looks like it. You, you've built a phenomenal company. So with First Street, I mean, what's the size of the team now across or nationally? Yeah, so we've obviously got offices um, east coast of Australia, so New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. Um, and also uh, we've got an operation uh, back office in the Philippines, but there is just over 30 people that work within the office. So it's a big change from 20 years ago when I started to just being me doing everything from, you know, start to finish, including putting the bins out. So um, it's definitely changed, but uh, it's nice to have people around you to work with and to bounce things off and um, to also see them grow. Um, You know, to me, that's actually been one of the best things about, you know, having a team and having people join me is actually seeing them evolve and develop as people and helping them to become a successful you know, as they want to be. Um, so that's that's been something that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, tend to agree. I think it's a big big part of running a business and leadership is is seeing people evolve and develop. It's. I mean, I personally also found it very uh, fulfilling. Yeah, it is rewarding, and it actually, would, uh, and, and this is not to be facetious, but I actually feel more rewarded. You know, when I see some of the others in the office become as successful as they want to be than myself. So it's it's nice to to look around and you know sometimes step outside and look down from the top and see you know geez I've I've really helped I hope I've helped a lot of these people here who had aspirations and dreams um, to achieve them and in many cases kind of you know far beyond their expectations. Yeah. Did you plan to grow first straight into the beast it is with number of people etc. No, not at all. So I think when I started, I wanted to be very, I'm a bit of a control freak um, and I wanted to kind of be in control of every facet of the process and the interactions with the clients. So I was doing everything from start to finish, but very intentionally um, because I felt like, you know, you know, doing a home loan for someone, um, you know, it's the same home loan, you know, that I can organise that, you know, they can go and get a bank to organise and another, another broker down the street can organise. So really the difference I always felt was that relationship, um, you know, building that relationship with the client and the trust. So um, I wanted to make sure that I was involved in that transaction from start to finish, you know, to really, as I said, um, you know, build, build on that relationship. So that's how I started. And then as I, I was getting too busy myself, um, I felt, okay, I need to now bring on some others to be able to help clients of mine that I just don't, not that I had the time to manage, but I was getting to the point where I couldn't facilitate everyone. And because I wanted to be involved from start to finish, I, instead of me deciding, you know, I could go and get some more support staff in the back to, to that I could have them assist with the, with the process, I wanted that client to have it the same journey with a broker from start to finish. So I ended up bringing on another broker to start with um, who would help with, with clients that I couldn't manage from the outset. So that broker would take over that relationship from the start and see it all the way through. Um, and then as the business grew, referral partners grew and more and more and more business was coming in is when I would bring on another broker to, to help out. Yeah, that's awesome. And so in regards to you specifically now, are you still writing loans? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one, uh, it's important for me to remain current um, and and still be a valued member of the team. I want to be able to, you know, still give back to, to the other brokers. And, I, and I, equally, I don't want to forget where I came from. I, there's there's many, many, you know, hundreds of clients that I've obviously helped over the years that I, that I don't want to ever be in a position where I say to them, look, I'm, you know, I'm doing something else now or I'm no longer writing loans. Someone else is going to look after you because it's been a 20-year journey with some of these um, clients and uh, I, I want to continue to assist with them. So where I can, where I don't have a necessary relationship with a client, I might have a referral partner with a real estate office where they're referring in leads. Where I can, I'll, I'll then um, have some of those leads go through to the other brokers in the office. So I'm definitely trying to delegate more so um, by having a, a larger team where I'm able to do so, which is good. Uh, but certainly the, a lot of my existing clients want to talk to me. Um, and that's going to be as a difficult, you know, kind of trend to break. But equally, as I said, I feel like I've, I do have a responsibility to continue to look after the clients that help me build my business, really. Yeah, makes sense. How does, or how do you, I mean, you, you're driving the business. How do you stay not just relevant, but ahead of the pack? Because the mortgage industry is very competitive. And I'm sure in the time that you've been in it for 20 years, it's become a lot more competitive. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. Look, we constantly take a step outside of the office and we actually do this once a year where we, we, we stop for a day or a couple of days, the whole office will get together and we take a top-down approach where we'll actually look at the journey of our client from start to finish of their dealings with us and we see how can we improve on that. So we are constantly improving on our processes. I don't think we've ever you know, got to a point where we're like, we've nailed it and this is it and it's never going to change. So we're always looking at the client journey most importantly and making sure that their journey is a seamless one, as seamless as possible, because you know the banks are making it harder and harder over the years. Uh, more documentations, requirements, more compliance, and everything else is going into it. But we still want to try to make the journey for our client seem as seamless as possible. So the more that we can do in the background, uh, which means our process have to continually evolve. You know, we want our clients to be referring someone else and saying, "Hey, go and see Jeremy. He made he made it seem so simple." And and that's kind of you know as, as complicated as it might be, we want our clients to feel like it's simple. So we just spend as much time as we can, kind of stepping outside of the business, looking down, um, improving our process wherever we possibly can, because things are always changing. And I think that's how we remain relevant. Because you know, the, the banks are the banks. Um, that's not going to change, and we have to kind of accept um, you know how they are. And at times they're tougher to deal with. At times that you know trying to drive more business. Um, and that, that's always going to be the case. But the client experience for us is, is an ever-evolving journey um, that we will always, you know, kind of provide, you know, or allocate time to ensure that that is a constant uh, you know, evolution. Yeah. And I guess leaning into this next question, so you and I have had a chat offline around this topic and I've obviously done business with you before and I know there's a lot of people who win awards in the mortgage broking space, but you are like a dead set legitimate company and you're, you're really far advanced in terms of the rankings. And so I guess from a consumer point of view, I guess the mortgage broking service is free. So, you know, they might just get a referral to, to a specific broker who, who may not be that good. So I guess what is the benefits to the average buyer to really go to the top to someone like you or whoever? Um, like what benefits do you get? So as a general, obviously, all, all mortgage brokers are selling the same product. So it's the service that we're able to provide to the client. Now, um, the, within the industry, that there's a segmentation based on the, the type of business that you provide to the bank, and that's around quality, that's around volume, that's around just straight through processing. So better the business that we provide to the banks and the more business we provide to the banks means that they'll, they'll in, in turn, guarantee us 
turnaround time. So we get guaranteed turnaround times from the majority of the banks for 24 hours. So we submit a loan today, guaranteed to be worked on tomorrow. A broker that's not writing much volume or isn't, isn't classified um, as a, a, a VIP at the bank, let's say, they, they potentially could be waiting, you know, one or two weeks for their for the same loan application to be assessed. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I've never had a client that said, hey, Jeremy, I need to get a loan to purchase a property, but there's no rush. Take your time. Take two weeks. Normally, when people are looking to do something, they want to do it pretty quick. So so the benefit of us being able to say to a client, no worries, we can get you an approval by tomorrow, um, is huge. And that wins us a lot of business. There's there's little areas where we can push for some, you know, some fees being waived. Maybe we can get slightly lower interest rates than some other brokers just because of our volume and so forth. But predominantly, the biggest benefit of a business like ours that has been around for a while and obviously are recognised within the industry um, for our quality and our volume means that our, our, our service proposition from the lenders, which are equally, you know, for us, two, our two important partners for our businesses, lenders and clients. Obviously, if we don't have a lender relationship, we can't provide any value to our clients and, and vice versa. So uh, for us, both are very important. So we really work hard to ensure that we have the, the highest priority with all the, all the major banks and, and smaller lenders to ensure that when a client comes to us, we can give them an, you know, a, a premium service, which many other brokers, um, because a lot of brokers are one-man shows, as an example, don't have that same, that same privilege. Yeah, speed is, is important. And what about, I guess, for you, like someone comes to you and they've got a portfolio of properties, you being able to, to look, at about, you know, look at refinancing and just looking at the structure of things, like do you think there's value in that as well? Yeah, look, I think experience definitely helps. And, and look, our business started in the eastern suburbs, which means, you know, a lot of our clients to begin with were quite complicated, lots of, you know, different structures and trusts and companies and money moving all over the place. So one, it helps to be able to understand what's going on in the background with clients. Obviously, large property portfolios, um, we've either had, you know, many clients that have come to us with large portfolios or over, you know, 20 years of running the business, we've had clients that have grown their portfolio significantly. So it's important to be able to to have had the experience um, both with understanding financials, complex financials, and obviously being able to manage clients with, with large portfolios. Uh, and I don't think, you know, uh, the majority of brokers are generally dealing with, you know, mum or dad has bought their home and on to the next mum or dad, you know, first home buyer. So um, I think there's a smaller group of experienced brokers that are going to be able to get their head around complex trust structures and and kind of large, you know, investor style clients. So um, certainly, yeah, you know, we're an office that manages it and handles it on a daily basis. Um, the other thing that was important to me which adds on to, you know, the, the experience is, is that as we grew, I, I would only accept a broker to join us that had a serious amount of experience already in the industry. We're a small business still in the scheme of things and we don't have the manpower to be training new to industry brokers. And because I'm also referring some of my clients to the other brokers in the office, it's important that the brokers that work for me or work with me are, are, are highly experienced and skilled. So everyone that's joined us has generally been five plus, five plus years already in the industry, a lot of them are probably ex, ex-bankers that wanted to get into mortgage broking is the majority of people that have joined. So they're all very experienced brokers to begin with, which um, makes us a quite a unique team because the majority of mortgage brokerages, the bigger businesses out there, um, you know, I, I kind of have a lot of new to industry brokers, which obviously, you know, they'll take time to, to upskill. So um, that's one big difference with our office. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of offices who are always training up, I guess, fresh people. Um, there's obviously a lag and lead time to get them to a level where they're confident. Then moving on to the next one. So how does the average buyer, right? There's so many brokers online, right? 
um, if you're doing a search, how does the average Joe, the average Sally, like understand to find the best broker so they can get access to this style of service? Look, we get a very small amount of business that comes through from our online presence because of being award winners and being ranked number one in the country as mortgage brokers in the past. So a very small amount of business will come from that, which means people are searching for, you know, top broker in the country and and we do come up, you know, as one of a few. Um, but the majority of people that are going to mortgage brokers, they're generally asking a friend for an experience. So I would say that would be the majority. So they're either going to a friend and saying, you know, we'll look at a purchase. Who did you use for your home loan? Um, you're now getting, I think, close to 70% of all, you know, seven out of 10 loans in the country done through mortgage brokers. So the majority of people that are asking their friends, they've generally used a mortgage broker. So they'll normally, because of a good experience, will refer them on. Um, for us, obviously, it's exactly the same. The majority of our business is word of mouth. Uh, we also have um, various real estate businesses and chains that refer us business. And that, I guess that's the other source, you know, for clients when they're looking to purchase, the real estate agents will make an introduction to a mortgage broker generally. But I think word of mouth and experience is the absolute best, um, you know, testament for any client looking for the services of a mortgage broker. Yeah. And for someone at your caliber in an industry, I mean, you, you seem, I could be wrong, but you seem very under the radar, which I like because I am as well. Um Maybe I'm getting that wrong, but you do a lot of public-facing stuff because you seem really behind the scenes. For us, it's always been every client's the same, right? We we don't go out there trying to you know find the you know the biggest loans in the country, and we don't they're trying to find you know guys with you know multiple properties so that it's, it makes it worth our while. For us, we we I guess we treat every client the same. We look at every client exactly the same as the next, irrespective of what they're doing, what the loan amount is, and what their what their plans are. I certainly do. A reasonable amount, um, even though I don't love it, of public speaking at various events when I get asked to do it. But it's it's not to necessarily go and pitch First Street as the as the broker of choice. It's really just to you know provide a bit more education around what brokers do, how we operate. Um, often people want to know about how you know our our business has grown. Certainly within the industry, um, I do a lot of a lot of kind of you know various talks around you know how to grow the business. Um, not everyone wants to grow the business and not everyone wants to grow it the same as how we've done it. So I don't think we're the be all and end all, but certainly I'm happy to to, to speak about, you know, what we've done in our journey, um, but it's never to necessarily promote First Street to, to drive up business. I still think that if we do the right thing by our clients, uh, which has always been, um, you know, kind of my number one priority, then we're going to get more business. You know, for me, it's, you know, if every client's not referring another client or two, I have to question what are, what are we doing? Not not right rather than wrong, but what are we doing? Because I really feel like, you know, we should be, you know, growing our business from our, from our existing database. Um, and if they're not referring, then you have to question why aren't they? Yeah, I think it's a good litmus test, good question to, or a good area to cover in a business when you're not getting referrals from your clients. It seems like you're your business is very heavily referral driven, hence why you said you're not getting much online, right? Yes, absolutely. Look, we've never, you know, I think it's important to exist online. I know that there are businesses out there doing exceptional business um, in terms of volume. I'm not sure about conversions, but certainly of inquiries through their online space in mortgage broking world. I, I think it's important for us to exist and evolve um, as obviously online continues to evolve. And I'm, I'm not naive to think that there's never going to be a day where um, you know, a consumer doesn't want to talk to a mortgage broker or a banker. I think it's going to exist 100%. And I think, we're, you know, I look at my kids already, you know, they're on their devices 24-7. But when the time comes that they want to get a home loan, I don't think they're going to want to talk to a human um, because that's just how they've grown up. So I think we have to, we're going to have to evolve and make sure that our business can exist in the future with, with multiple options of, 
interaction and one of them has to be online. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely not naive to think that it's it's a it's a never ever. It's it's definitely going to be the case, and it, you know, I'm not sure how it's going to change, you know, for you as well. But it's just something that it can't be ignored. It's not something that necessarily needs to keep you up at night. Um, but I think it it it, it needs to be um, something that is considered as as our business needs to evolve over time. Definitely, and for the average buyer out there, so. I'm putting you on the spot here so we don't have to get it accurate. But if there was like a master checklist that you that you think should be online for a buyer to, I guess, have as a form of questionnaire to, to I guess, qualify and work out, like, because, again, brokers are free, right? And it's kind of like for lawyers free, you'd go to, go to the best if you're getting divorced, right, rather than go to the worst or average. So I guess what do you think would be on that checklist as a form of just, I guess, questions for these buyers maybe to ask mortgage brokers as they're interviewing? I think important is, one, you want to make sure they've got a full panel of lenders, right? So that way they they are a true mortgage broker. Um, and I'll give you an example. So Commonwealth Bank, the largest lender in the country, they're not accrediting new to industry brokers right now. So, you know, if you don't have the largest lender on your panel to be able to recommend to a client, can you call yourself a broker if you can't make comparisons with every lender on the, on, you know, that, that exists? I think it's important to be able to, you want to be asking the, yeah, the question, you know, how many lenders do you have and do you have all your major major banks and, and subsidiaries and next level down? So, you know, you've got your Commonwealth and your Westpacs, then your, your next level downs, your INGs, your Macquarie's, your Citibanks, your AMPs, then you've got your, you know, building societies and, and non-bank lenders. You just want to make sure that the broker's got a full suite of lenders. Then you want to understand what's their value proposition. Do Some brokers are actually charging an upfront fee. We certainly don't. Um, so they're charging a success fee. You want to you want to ask those questions. Are there any catches? You know. Then the next thing is, you know, am I going to be dealing with you? Am I going to be dealing with someone else? Some brokers work, for example, where they have their first meeting with the client, and then you don't hear from the broker again. It's someone else in the office that will manage it. So some clients may not care about these things, but it's just you just want to be fully informed before you make the decision of which broker you want to you want to choose. And then I, the next question is around, I guess, speed. Um, you know. How long is it going to take to get an approval? Because often many clients haven't found something right now, but then in two days' time, they've all of a sudden found something that they need, they need approval urgently. Um, so you just want to make sure that, um, as I said, those kind of few things are covered off. And then it's always a good you know, question, what happens after the loan settles? You know, Do you disappear? Are you still there for me to help? Do I have to go back to the bank when the loan settles? So we've, we've intentionally beefed up our back, our back office for, for post-settlement so that if clients need anything, they can come to us because there's nothing worse than calling a lender and waiting on hold for two hours and maybe not even getting your answer, you know, your question answered. So we've intentionally beefed up our back office so that our post-settlement support for our client and their experience continues beyond when the loan settles. That way they've always got someone to come back to. So it's, I think it's very important. And I think unfortunately for, a, you know, for the one-man shows out there, it's hard for them to offer everything um, because it obviously, you know, comes at a cost and, but yeah, that's, I guess that's hopefully answered your question. Yeah, there's some really good items. And I love that post-settlement, that function that you've created. I think that's that's very useful. I've been on the phone to banks many times and it's a pain in the ass. Um, so I guess f- finishing up now, so I'm sure you get smashed with this a lot around interest rates, but I, I want to first just lean into, I mean, you, you obviously, I think it's brilliant how you work not only with high net, net worth individuals, but you work with anyone really across the spectrum of requiring a line, which I think is great. So you've obviously got visibility over different segments of the market. Like, are you noticing now like an apprehension from buyers getting into the market? Because I think it's interesting how last year, you know, following the herd, everyone's jumping in when the market's heated, but it's, I just wanted to get a read on what you're seeing right now. 
the, the heat's out. Volumes in terms of inquiry are definitely a little bit down. Having said that, equally, it's this time of the year during the winter months, volumes are always a little bit down. There's less stock on the market um, and normally people take, the, take their foot off the pedal. What we're seeing now is we're still seeing on the owner-occupied, you know, people buying their homes or upgrading. We're still seeing activity in that space. And I expect that will probably continue because irrespective of where the price point is, if people are wanting to buy or sell their homes uh, for whatever reason, that's, they're still doing so. Um, the investment piece, definitely seeing that slow down. So people, you know, chasing, wanting to buy another investment property, people are now saying, I'm going to wait a few months to see what the market does. So I think that's been a big change um, from what I've seen. I think we mentioned offline that, you know, for the first time in my 20 years and we saw it up, you know, up until rates started to rise. So for the past year or two, a lot of people that were upgrading were actually keeping their home and renting it out and buying a new home for more money. Um, normally that's never the case. Normally people are selling their home and upgrading. So um, with rates so low, we're seeing that happen more so than ever. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those properties start coming on the market now for sale, those ones that they've held, because um, obviously there's huge land tax implications on their home once it becomes an investment property, which uh, maybe they hadn't considered. Um, but definitely uh, there's still plenty of activity on the refinance. You know, as rates go up, people want to get a lower rate, so they want to you know have it reviewed. Uh, our process is always go back to the existing lender, push them to reduce the rate because it's much more convenient to stay with the same lender than refinance. So we'll do everything we can before we look to, to move the loan. But a lot of clients are looking to do that. Um, and, and clients that were otherwise going to upgrade and sell and buy something more expensive are now just looking for a construction loan and just going to stay in their place for longer. So I think I think, I, I think that the, the chase is gone, the heat is gone. Uh, when I speak to agents, um, you know, for, in, in regards to auctions and so forth, they're just less people turning out up at auctions. And I think the, the mindset of, you know, you've got to buy at auction has changed. So we're seeing now sales happen before auction, during, and then after auctions within a few weeks. So definitely seeing that a lot more. So I'm still seeing more than ever buyers agents involved in the transaction. So, you know, that's, that's obviously, I know that's your space, but it's definitely evolved and evolving. Um, it's probably very similar to, you know, I look at where I started 20 years ago and I, every, every conversation I'd have with a new client was, you know, the first thing I'd have to do when I sat down is explain how a mortgage broker worked and what we do and we don't charge fees and blah, blah, blah. I don't have to have that conversation anymore because obviously it's evolved over the years. And I think that Obviously, your industry is exactly what's exactly the same has happened. You know, it's taken a few years for it to get to the point where all consumers completely understand what a buyer's agent's role is. Um, but uh, I, I would, and I'm plucking numbers, but maybe at least one out of three transactions of, of purchases, I'm seeing a buyer's agent involved in the transaction. So maybe it's different from from you know region to region, um, but certainly here in Sydney, it's it's definitely very obvious uh, that the buyer's agent role has well and truly now cemented into a. They are part of. Of, of the of the you know kind of what makes up the, the a purchase and yeah it's definitely not going anywhere so it's um, you know for me it's it's we've got a you know relationship with various buyers agents as well where we'll, we'll refer to each other um, which is great and it just seems like the consumers now um, more so than ever you know are asking for introductions to a buyers agent or are using a buyers agent for, for various reasons but I think that uh, yeah that's a landscape that has um, grown significantly over the years and it's yeah, become very obvious that it's it's uh, it's a, it's a real part of, of of every purchase. Tend to agree, and I think it's a good comparison you gave uh, with the mortgage space when you started and answering all these questions, and now you don't. And I think that's where 
that's where the buyer's agent industry is going. Well, Jeremy, thank you. Uh, good to chat and congrats on all your success and I'm sure I'll catch you soon. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, buddy.